All right, we are in Genesis chapter 41, reading from verse 37. Genesis 41, verse 37. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. And you shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed them in garments of fine linen and put a gold necklace around his neck. He had him ride in his second chariot and they proclaimed before him, Bow the knee. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh named Joseph Zephanath Paneah, and he gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, as his wife. And Joseph went forth over all the land of Egypt. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly. Okay, so, you recall what happened? Joseph was kidnapped at the age of 17. He is put into, uh, uh, he's made a slave in Egypt. He rises up very rapidly to be over that house. He is accused wrongly of trying to rape uh, a woman who oversees the house, and he's put in jail. He rapidly raises up to be over the jailhouse and, and in control of that. And then he now appears before Pharaoh, and he is immediately brought up. As soon as he appears before Pharaoh, he gives the interpretation of the dream. He doesn't stop at the interpretation of the dream. He immediately follows that with some advice, something that was not asked of him, but he immediately followed with it. He gave him advice, and that advice seemed good to Pharaoh. And what, what George had pointed out to me last week is that Pharaoh himself was a god. And people worshipped him as a god. But Pharaoh recognized that there was a god that, that Joseph worshipped that was, was even greater. And, and so that, that's all the more interesting about that. But then he says, he says this. He says in, in verse, in verse uh, um, 39, So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage, and only in the throne I will be greater than you. So Joseph is immediately brought up. How did Joseph have all of this wisdom? We talked about that last time, how God brings up a person. And I wanted to, to share one other verse in this, which is one verse that, that I meditate on all the time. And I was really excited about this because I had one of my students who's actually on this call told me a couple weeks ago he had heard that and uh, uh, he really started trusting and believing in that. And God gave him an amazing advance this week in the lab. And he, he says that, that he was really just trusting God for that. And so, so God was able to, to th then God gave him that, that, that advance in that. All right, so you see here, I want you to look in Exodus chapter 31. I meditate on this verse 
oh, almost every day, almost every day in my prayer time, I will look at this verse. This is amazing. If you want to see how God can take a person and bring them right up like he did with Joseph, look at this verse in Exodus chapter 31, reading from verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic design for work in gold and silver and bronze in the cutting of stones from setting and carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. He took a man named Bezalel. This is the man whom, whom Moses commissioned to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. And, he, and God says, okay, this is the man that I am choosing. And his name was Bezalel. And it says in Exodus chapter 31, verse verse 2, it says, This Bezalel, he's the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. God knew exactly who he was. God knew his name, exactly who he was, and what he was doing through him. And God said, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. This is the first person in the Scripture. We have had all of Genesis, and then into Exodus, all the way up to Exodus 31, this is the first person in Scripture that is noted to being filled with the Spirit of God. Yeah, the first person to be noted to be filled with the Spirit of God is Bezalel. Bezalel was not a preacher. He was not a prophet. He was a craftsman. He was a craftsman. God took a craftsman and filled him with the Spirit of God. For what purpose? Why would He fill him with the Spirit of God? He says it right here. I have filled him in verse 3 of Exodus 31. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge. Look, first wisdom, then understanding, then knowledge. Because if you don't have wisdom first, you can use knowledge in a dastardly way. He said, and, and uh, uh, he said, I filled him with wisdom, I filled him with understanding, and thirdly, I filled him with knowledge. In what did he fill him? Well, he says, in all kinds of craftsmanship, he worked in gold, in silver, and in bronze. Not just one metal, but all three metals. Then it says that he could work in stone cutting and stone setting. So he could cut stones and he could set them. And in wood, the man knew how to work with wood as well. God instructed him how to work with wood. And that he made in all kinds of craftsmanship. And then if you read down in this chapter further... And then also in Exodus chapter 36, they talk about him a little bit more, is that he could also work with fabric and perfuming. And and he gave him the ability to teach it. And he's put another man at his side, Ahio, to, to uh, do the same thing with him. God is the one who fills. God is the one who does that. This man, Bezalel, is the Renaissance man. He is the man who can do anything. People ask, how, how do you work in this area? How, you, you know, you're synthetic chemist. How do you know about batteries and this? And well, I really don't. I mean, just, just God, God bless my group. God bless us over and over again. How do you work with this? How do you work in, in this area and that area all at once? All I can do is explain that it's God. If we will but trust God, God will do amazing things. God is the one who fills with the Spirit. God is the one who brings up. God is the one who fills and brings up and, and, and teaches and instructs. It's not just teaching us Bible verses. That is part of it. But it is also teaching us these things that we need for whatever 
task is before us. This man was a craftsman. He wasn't an evangelist. He was not, not a prophet. He was not a proclaimer of great things. He just was a craftsman. These are guys who mind their own business and just do their craft. But God gave him this knowledge across all of these different areas. God does this. You want to see propelling in your career? Here's the answer. I mean, how much more clear can it be? How much more explicit would you like God to be? Look at it, how clear this thing is. He says, I take a man and I fill him with the Spirit of God. God can take a person and fill them with the Spirit of God. Firstly, with the Spirit, you learn, you understand something about the Spirit of God. You learn about the Spirit of God. He gives you this wisdom to understand the things of God. And then He begins to fill and instruct you. And He will take you and He will take you from the place where you are and just bring you right up and give you all this amazing talent. Again, you can do it by yourself. I I want to be a self-made man. Okay, go ahead, be a self-made man, be a self-made woman. Do it all by yourself. But look at the opportunity that we have in God. Remember, the world competition in the world is enormous. I would much rather do it with God and have the peace of God in my life. Look at the way God brought him up. This is what God does. God does this sort of thing. He brings people up in this way. Then it says, you shall be over my house. I want you running my house, not just all of Egypt, because that that comes later in verse 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over the land of Egypt. But it's not just Egypt. I want you over my house because you are filled with godliness. You get godly people into your home. It's like like they, they, they bring godliness in with them. When we have men or men of God or women of God come into my home, Shireen will also, often say to them, I want you to pray for us. I want you to pray for our family. She wants the blessing that comes by bringing people of God into the home. And, and this is what it is, is, is that he wanted, he wanted uh, a Joseph running his home, his home. When God moves into a home, there is great blessing. I want to share with you, there's this really interesting passage. I want to share with you this, this interesting passage in, uh, in 2 Samuel, the book of 2 Samuel. In the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6, there's an interesting thing. And as you're turning there, I'll, 2 Samuel chapter 6, uh, uh, we'll start reading from verse 10. But what happened was David was moving the ark of God. The ark of God was in the Old Testament, the place where God dwelt among the children of Israel. And he was moving the ark of God. And then God got upset about something because somebody did something that they 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 shouldn't have done. And so... They took the ark and they just put it in the nearest house because they didn't want it to be out in the open. They just knew that they couldn't move the ark. So they put it in the house of a man who was a Gittite. A Gittite was not a, not a Hebrew. He was not someone of the, of the, the tribe of, of, of the Hebrews. He was not an Israelite. He was, a, he, was a, he was a Gittite. This is one of the people of the land, but many people of the land became friends with with the Hebrew people, and this was one of those people, but this is not even a Jew in Israel. They take the ark of God and they put it into his house. So let's start reading that. Second Samuel chapter 6, reading from verse 10. And David was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Three months... And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom 
and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. So the presence of God moves into this house of Obed-Edom, a Gittite, a man who was friendly with the Jewish nation, friendly with the Israelites, friendly with the Hebrew people. But he himself is not even Hebrew. But he welcomes the presence of God in his home. What's the outcome of that? For three months, the ark of God was in his house. For three months, it says, it, it twice says that Obed-Edom, the, Obed-Edom, the Gittite, twice says that he's a Gittite. Then it says, the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. The Lord blessed Obed-Edom and everyone in his household. His wife was blessed. His sons were blessed. His daughters were blessed. His, his dog was blessed. His chickens were blessed. Everything the man owned was blessed. Everything he owned was blessed because God moved into his house. You want blessing in your home. Call God down into your home every day. Start your day in the Word of God. Asking God to fill your home. Asking God's presence on your home. There is great blessing in this. doesn't matter what your background. That's why he says Obed-Edom was a Gittite. He was a Gittite. And still, God was filling his home with blessing. The God of Israel was filling his home with blessing. And then it's, they told David, hey, look what they reported to David. It says in verse 12, Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. When the presence of God moved in, it was on account of the ark of God. It wasn't like it would have happened anyway. It would not have happened anyway. It was when God's presence moved into his house, there was blessing. When God's presence comes in a house, there is blessing. There's blessing upon the father, the mother, the children, the, 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 the grandmother, the grandfather. There's blessing that comes into the house. When, when you spend time with the Lord, when God is called down in that house. And look at the outcome of it. When David heard, David, this is David who was afraid, it says, in, he was unwilling in verse 10, he was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. He was unwilling to do it. But when he heard that God was blessing Obed-Edom and everything in his house, you know what David said? David said, get that ark out of his house and put it in my house. Get it right over here. Get it up here. Get it in my house. You get the Lord in your presence, in your home, in your room. You get the Lord with you. There is great blessing. Blessing comes from the presence of the Lord. He wanted Joseph in his house. He says, I want you over my house. I want you, you just, I got a room for you right there in my house. I want you in my house. I want the blessing that comes down upon my house because you're there. I want the people of God in my house. When, when we were, in, when, when, when I was in graduate school, we started having, when, right when we first got married, we started having students in our home. We started having students in our home, and God has blessed our home ever since. We've always had lots of people in our home, and God blesses it. When you do the works of God out of your home, when you do the things of God from your home, there is great blessing. Blessing follows you when you're walking with God. There's tremendous blessing that comes. That's why he said, he said, You shall be over my house. And then he goes on. Let's pick it up from verse 42 of Genesis chapter 41. 
Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold necklace around his neck. Right there in that moment, Joseph was paid back for the 13 years of, of, uh, of, of uh, troubles that he had gone through. Right there, there was blessing that was returned upon him. That gold chain alone was enough to pay for all the work that he had done. All the time in prison, it, it compensated him. God is able overnight to compensate us for, for, for what He deems that we should get. He is able overnight to do that. He put on him fine linen, a gold necklace, and, and uh, the signet ring. The signet ring means the authority of Pharaoh. With that signet ring, he could sign things. He could stamp these, the, this approval, and that had Pharaoh's stamp on it. He gave him the signet ring. He says, you, you be in charge. You be in charge. It is God who brings people up. Overnight, God can bring you up. God can do that. Then he says, and he had him ride in his second chariot. And they proclaimed before him, bow the knee. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. So he had him uh, uh, ride in his second chariot. So he had two chariots. So it's sort of like, uh, sort of like Air Force One. There's two Air Force Ones. Uh, uh, we weren't supposed to know that, but President Trump told the world. And so there's, there's two Air Force Ones. It's like he gave him one of his Air Force Ones. That's what he did. And he says, here's the chariot. You, you, you can ride all over Egypt in this thing. It's yours. And, and they'd say, Joseph's coming. Bow the knee. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh named Joseph Zephanath Paniah, which means God speaks, he lives. This is how much Pharaoh himself, who people thought he was a god and he viewed himself as a god, he says, God speaks and God lives. He gives him that name. You see how, how much he was impacted by this guy's life. And, and he gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, as his wife. And Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. So these, this, is, this is a lot of times how marriage was in, in the old days, you know, the, I mean, there, there were, there were relationships established through doing this type of thing. And so he gets this very dignified lady, and, and, uh, uh, from this very famous family, and, and there's Joseph, and so he has this wife. And it says, it says right here, and Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. Immediately, he started working. Immediately, this guy started working. He went forth over the land of Egypt. They didn't even, he didn't even finish the breath. He didn't just, you know, right away, all this is dumped upon him, and right away, get 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 some pretty young lady for him, and and they get Asnath, Asnath, the the the, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. Boom, marries her, and immediately he's to work. No honeymoon. I mean, this guy was a solid worker. Remember, when he was with his father, he was over his father's house. At the age of seventeen, he was running his father's house. Then he took over Potiphar's house, the, the, the captain of the bodyguard. Then he took over the, the jailhouse. Now he takes over Pharaoh's house. Now he's over Egypt. Immediately the man gets to work. This guy is a working man. He gets to work. He's a hard worker. He gets to work. And it's a, just right there in the same verse. They couldn't even extend that to the next verse. I mean, and Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. He started going forth over all the land of Egypt. A farmer is known by his footprint. A farmer is known by his footprint on the farm. It should be everywhere. 
His footprint should be everywhere. A farmer is supposed to know every bit of that. A farmer is supposed to know what is going on on his property. What's happening over, over his property. This is what the farmer is supposed to know. The, the, it, it talks about in the book of Proverbs that you, you're to know well the conditions of your flock. Know it well. And so he immediately starts going over the land of Egypt because he's going to have to start acquiring 20%, 20% tax over this land. Verse 46, now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt in verse 46. So again, as soon as he goes out from the presence of Pharaoh, boom, this man is a working man. Yes, God blessed him, but he was a working man. And what's interesting is that this this exaltation that he got, where people are even saying, hey, that's Joseph, bow the knee. It didn't go to his head. He had a job to do. He wasn't sitting back smoking cigars and drinking iced tea in the country club. He was, he was out working and doing this thing. This guy was out doing it because he knows that, that if you don't do a good job in here, you're not going to last. You have to work hard. This is part of the job. You have to work hard. He had a job to do. He had seven years to turn this whole thing around so that it's ready for, for seven years of famine that are going to be following. And so he was, he, he just started marching right throughout the land immediately. It says in Psalm 119 verse 60, it says, I made haste and I did not delay to keep your commandments. I made haste and I did not delay to keep your commandments. We are to immediately keep the commandments of God. Immediately. The man who discipled me, I remember him so- talking about immediate obedience, immediate obedience to the word of God. It's not, well, someday I'll obey that verse. Someday I'll tithe. Someday I'll do this. Some- no, it is immediate obedience. Immediate obedience to the Word of God. And uh, I made haste and I did not delay to keep your commandments. And this is what he did. He started going throughout the land, but it's not going to his head. He has to work. And there's good reason that these that, that being brought up should not go to our heads because it can fail really fast. Let me give you, let me give you an idea of this. This is really an interesting verse. If you look here um, in the book of Acts... Uh, let me see exactly what verse. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. This is so interesting. You want to talk about the capriciousness of the world. How capricious the world can be. Uh, um, so here, Paul, uh, so, 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 um, Paul is traveling with his traveling companion Barnabas and in Acts chapter 14. And Paul performs a great healing upon a person. So a healing takes place. So when the people see that a healing took place, look what they want to do with Paul and Barnabas. So in Acts chapter 14, verse 11. Acts chapter 14, verse 11. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying, in the Lyconian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas, Zeus, and Paul, Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and, wa- and wanted to offer sacrifices to the crowds, sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles uh, Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore the ro- robes and rushed out into the crowds, crying and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God, God who made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. 
So you see that, that they want to, they want to do worship. They, they, they want to, they want to start worshiping Barnabas and Saul and, and Paul. They want to start doing this because they think they're gods because they committed this healing. So all of a sudden they want to start worshiping them. Isn't that interesting? And Paul has got to, got to work hard to keep them from, from offering sacrifices to him as if he's a god. The world can just take you and, and just ramp you up instantly just as well. But look at what happens with the world. Look at verse 18 of the same chapter. We'll skip from verse 15 to verse 18 of, verse 18 of the same chapter. And even as the, even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifices to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and he entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. Wow! You can go from people thinking you're a god to people killing you in the same afternoon. In the same afternoon. Don't let... You know, uh, uh, being raised up, go to your head. You know, you, you, you see this sort of thing is, is even, even, even you, you see how insidious our hearts are. I mean, let me, let me give you an example that might be just driven home to, to students in particular. When, when students come in as freshmen, you know, they're wanting to meet people and they're open to meeting people. And, and then all of a sudden, they come their sophomore year and now they're not freshmen anymore. They're sophomores, so they can kind of, you know, Oh, look at those little freshmen. They don't know what they're doing. They, they don't even know where, how to get to their classes. And, and, you know, just, it's, it's so insidious how pride can fill us. The world can take you down in a moment. And especially these days with our cancel culture, you can, you can lose everything overnight. Overnight. I mean, just a few, few tweets and boom, you go from being up here to being down here. Don't let it go to your head. Joseph didn't let this go to his head. And this is really important because God brings us up at times, but it should not go to our heads. And then let's start, let's look back at, uh, at, at uh, Genesis chapter 41, verse 47. And during the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly. So he gathered all the food of these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt. And he placed the food in the cities and he placed in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. Thus Joseph stored up the grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. So it says in verse 48, it says, He placed in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. You know what that was? Locally grown. He understood locally grown. No need to ship it back and forth. I mean, it's locally grown. So, so, so Joseph was doing this in Egypt uh, before, before our generation thought of this thing. Locally grown, we're just going to store it right there. But remember, this was a 20% tax on everything, on all the grain that w- w- was brought forth, a 20% tax. You think people were like, wow, we are so glad to give you 20% of our hard labor. Wow, we, we just, oh, here you go. In fact, take 25%. I mean, no way. Nobody gives 20%. You even ask people for 2% and they complain. He's asking them for 20%. 20%. He's demanding it. 20% gets put aside. I'm not buying it. This is a tax. 20% gets put aside. 
gets put in the storehouse. He's not a well-liked guy. Tax collectors are never well-liked. Yeah, it was glorious the first day when he got the chariot and the gold chain and the fine linen and uh, the signet ring, and they were going around bend the knee. But, uh, you know, the next time he comes riding into the town, they're like, oh, there's that guy. And they're just wanting to hide behind the barn. They're trying to hide, hide their stuff. But remember, he appointed other men around him. He had other people appointed around him that were, that were uh, 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 doing these things to, to, uh, to, to watch over this. Remember, he had overseers that he'd also suggested. So all of this was happening. All of this was going on. And remember, he's not a well-liked guy if he has to do 20%. But you're not always the most well-liked person. I mean, sometimes there's a dirty job to be done. Sometimes you've got to fire people. Sometimes you've got to downsize companies. There are jobs to be done. It's not always Mr. Nice Guy. I wish life were like that. I wish I never had to, you know, give anything less than an A-plus to any student. I mean, it's not always like that. You can't always do things that are going to be Mr. Nice Guy. It's not easy walking with the Lord. But walking with the Lord is an absolute treasure. It is an absolute treasure. If you do not know the Lord this day, I urge you, come and know the Lord. Know Jesus. Jesus is the one who has given his life for you. Jesus has died for you and he says, come unto me. The message of the gospel is come. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus is the one who offers us spiritual life. I urge you. I came to the Lord at the age of 18 as a freshman in college. And I urge you to come to know the Lord. I am so glad that I came to know the Lord early on in college before I just messed up my life. I mean, college can set you on a course that is just terrible. And you can get into all sorts of stuff. And I urge you, come to Jesus. If you already know the Lord, if you already believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and He's risen from the dead, but you've not spent a whole lot of time with Him in your life, I urge you, every day, meditate on the Word of God. Pick up the Gospel. Pick up, just pick up the, the New Testament and just start reading through it. Just pick up where you left off the day before. Every, every morning, wake up and spend even 15 minutes in the Word of God and prayer. Just say, Lord, I'm just going to commit this to you. Even if it's 15 minutes reading the Word of God and praying. Say, Lord, I just commit this time to you. Now speak to me through your Word. Meditation on the Word of God is picking up the Bible and saying, Lord, as I read this passage, speak to me. Speak to me, O Lord. And the Lord will do that. He'll speak to you. And if you say, well, I didn't get much out of it today, well, then start reading again tomorrow where you left off that day. And the Lord will speak to you. If you seek Him, you will find Him. And let him start working in your life. Get God into your home. And then see as Obed-Edom saw. God start to bless your household. God start to bless everything around you. That's what I saw. That is my testimony over and over again. That's my testimony. That's my testimony from the time I was a freshman right up through now. I continue to seek him. I rise up every morning and spend time with him in his word. Every morning I spend time with him. That is not three days a week. That is every morning I spend time with him. First thing of the day, I spend time with him. And I know that I have to get to bed at a certain time in order to be able to wake up and spend time with him. Everything revolves around that morning time with him. You do that and there's blessing called into your home. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you this day, please get to know him. I urge you this day. What I want to do is I want to set up a private 
call with you, a private Zoom call, and I will share with you one-on-one. This is for people who don't know the Lord. Lots of times people say, well, I know the Lord, but you know, I'd love to engage with you. you know, I got some questions about theology. Mm-mm. No private Zoom calls for that. This is for those who do not know the Lord. For those who do not know the Lord, I would love to spend 30 minutes with you on a Zoom call and tell you my story about how I came to Jesus. Please give me that opportunity. You think that, oh, you know, I don't want to bother the guy. It is no bother. I wish, I hope, I pray that you would send me an email to tour, tour at rice.edu. Just Google Jim Tour, you'll find my email. And just, just send me that email. And I will set up a Zoom call with you. No matter where you are in the world, no matter where you are, I will set up that Zoom call with you and we'll have a time together. And I will tell you my story about how I came to Jesus. Please give me that opportunity. Okay, let's close in a word of prayer and then Shireen will share with you just for a minute. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word and the truth of it. And Lord, I pray if there be any unbelievers that are watching this today, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to Jesus, that this very day they would pray, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner. Lord, forgive me and come into my life. I believe Jesus is Lord and I believe that he's risen from the dead. Lord, I pray that you draw these young people And Father, for those that know you, I pray, Lord, that they would get to know you deeply so they would have God around them as Joseph did. That each day they would learn to start each morning off with time in the Bible, time in prayer, reading through the New Testament, day after day, picking up where they left off the day before. Father, do that, I pray. Oh, Lord, do that. And Lord, I commit this to you. Let Jesus Christ be glorified through this. Let Jesus Christ be glorified in the name of Jesus. Amen.